HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Hey, hey, it's Let's Eat In with Kathy Irway, your host, that's me. And uh, we're at Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizza, as usual. It's a gorgeous, summery Monday in March still. Don't know what's going to happen in the summer. We'll have to see. Um, maybe you're trying to eat lighter. Um, you know, growing up, um, I have an Asian, you know, half-Asian background. And I quickly learned that one of uh, possibly, if not the most, but one of the most polarizing foods on the planet was something called tofu. A very simple substance. Um, we'll have uh, an expert here to talk a little bit more about that because she is awesome. She is the cookbook author of the upcoming, or just just released, that is, Asian Tofu. Andrea Nguyen, how are you? Are you there? Yes, I sure am, Kathy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Sure, no problem. So Andrea um, is also a great cookbook author. She has written Into the Vietnamese Kitchen, which was uh, nominated for three uh, James Beard and ISCP cookbook awards. You've written Asian Dumplings, another great cookbook, and this is your third. It sure is, and uh, it's, uh, it's different from Into the Vietnamese Kitchen and Asian Dumplings because it's more of like a uh, sort of a it's com- combines personal stories, interviews, sort of like a journalistic tone, as well as like a do-it-yourself component and lots of techniques, as well as just really great recipes to help people feel that tofu is not so polarizing, right? <laughs> I sure hope so. Um, it, you know, uh, by the way, Andrea is speaking from California, uh, San Fran yes. right now? I, I sure think- am. I'm from Santa Cruz right now. All right. So have you been touring a bit for the book or...? Mostly in uh, the state of California, I'll be coming to um, New York at the end of next week. And you did a whole lot of touring for this book. As you mentioned, it is so many components um, you know, around the topic of tofu. It is a do-it-yourself guide to making your own tofu, and then it has almost 100 recipes for what to do with it <laughs> once you've made it. So that must have been a lot of work. How long did it take you to do that? It uh, was over two years, and um, it was prop. You know, when you write books, it's 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 a uh, six to seven day a week commitment. The way that I write, because I get um, to get obsessed 
and it's all about the obsession, isn't it? <laughs> and so once you get started, I realized with making tofu, and I, and I want people to know that you do not have to make tofu from scratch for most of the recipes in this book, but there is something absolutely wonderful about tofu that is freshly made because it is like homemade bread or fresh cheese or something like that. It's just absolutely wonderful, but um, most people um, in Asia and of Asian descent do not make their own. Um, but in the United States, we don't have access to, like, really super fresh tofu. So I took it upon myself to see if I could make it, and I thought that I would have to, like, go and apprentice at a little tofu shop or something. And, I, you know, the first time out, I was like, my God, I just made tofu. <laughs> and then I just kept making it. And, and after I got it out of my system, I started buying it again because um, I used to eat tofu on like just a regular basis growing up. And I started asking people I know and reading through cookbooks and stuff. Um, and there are just a gazillion tofu recipes out there. Um, and There's a so lot the of ways to make it. Ones that yeah. I think are, would be really interesting to people. That's so cool. Um, could you briefly, that, I think that really does parallel making bread. It's something you've always seen, you never really thought to make, and then you just make it, and it's like, boom, wow, I could do this. Um, could you just break down the process of how do you make tofu? Okay, well, you, base, you need three ingredients, and um, one of them is water. Okay, The other <laughs> two ingredients um, are soybeans and a coagulant. So um, with the soybeans, you um, want to choose, you know, beans that are non-GMO or organic, and you'll find them at um, health food stores, such as Whole Foods. You'll find them at Asian markets. Um, you'll find them online. And um, I actually order, after I got really hooked on this, I ordered some single-source beans from a farmer in Iowa. Um, we have a long history of soybeans growing in the United States, so uh, and it's one of our largest agricultural commodities. Um, but again, look for non-GMO organic beans. And then so you soak the beans um, overnight, and it depends on how the air temperature is so that the beans are ready for grinding up in a blender or food processor. And then after that, you, uh, you make it into sort of like a... Uh, a sludge, uh, <laughs> a beanie milkshake <laughs> that okay. you then cook up and then you strain through muslin. And I buy my muslin at like a fabric store and I just tear it up. You know, I don't do anything fancy with it. Mm. And um, then you're cooking up this milk and I cook my soy milk up um, two times. I, I strain it. I use like a potato masher to like get all the solids separated from the, the actual soy milk. And then you can coagulate it. Um, you can use an acid or a salt. So, um, you know, acids uh, will, like lemon juice or vinegar work well, but if you really want to do it like the pros do, you would use nigari or uh, gypsum. And nigari is a salt, and gypsum is not the same stuff as what drywall is made out of. This is food-grade gypsum. Oh, I've heard of that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and if you used to, like, brewers, and, you know, I, if you're, I, you've got a home brewing it, yeah. supply shop, <laughs> go there. Cool. So that sounds pretty accessible. Um, just, it sounds like important thing is to get that non-GMO soybean. What's the, what's, what if we don't know if it's a, what's the harm if I'm eating a, a GMO or non-organic soybean? You know what, I, over my experience with, um, with making tofu is that the non-GMO and organic soybeans taste better. Okay. And, and the other thing, but you know, barring all that aside, when you look at a little soybean, if, and they come in different colors and shapes and sizes, to tell you the truth. We don't know that. And this is not the same thing as a damame, which is green and fresh. These are dry soybeans. And they're round, and the handsome ones have a beautiful, like, sort of 
uh, pale yellow color, and um, the part that it that the bean attaches itself to the pod is called the helum. And on some beans, they're like a dark brown or a black. Um, a lot of people, and I agree with this, say that the good beans have practically a clear helum so that you, you don't really see it on mm. the bean. And um, size is not always a factor of, like, tasty soybeans either. Um, ones that are like the size of, of blueberries are a little bit too big sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and then, so I look for, like, the size of large peas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, Whole Foods it. is a place that, that you could find very good um, organic or non-GMO soybeans, and Asian markets are beginning to carry them, too, because a lot of Asian people, they make their own soy milk at home. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds easy. Um, I actually have a hot tip for New Yorkers. Cayuga Organics now has uh, soybeans, so you could check them out. People usually think of soybeans as this industrial crop. You know, it's soy, corn, and, and all those things. As you mentioned, it's a commodity crop. But this is a, this is a totally um, different type of soybean than, than used exactly. for oil and stuff. Cool. Yeah, these are soybeans for human consumption, <laughs> not for <laughs> animal consumption or industrial uses. And any other sketchy stuff like that. Exactly. Nice. Um, so you actually have um, a couple of recipes in here that incorporate, you know, in tradition with, uh, with some, you know, traditional Asian recipes that you mention here um, that are also cooked with meat. Like there's a pork belly and uh, tofu stir fry, I believe, with kimchi. There's like a mapa tofu like dish with spicy Sichuan peppercorns. Um, and a lot of people think of vegetarian, f- like a tofu as a vegetarian meat substitute. Um, is this something that you're trying to debunk or just kind of broaden the range? Of- yeah, you know, um, I think a lot of times people think that um, uh, in the West, a lot of people think that tofu is a meat substitute. But in Asia, it's just a food. It's just a protein. And you can, you can eat it um, on its own, or you can have it with meat. You can have it with seafood. Um, and it's just an ingredient that allows people to actually have um, lower meat diets. Um, and actually, it's not a luxury thing because um, you have, there just isn't enough animal protein in the East traditionally. And so people, you know, have learned, like, here's soybeans. And soybeans have an extremely high amount of protein in them for a legume. And um, so people will combine it with meat. And, you know, soybeans have a little umami, too. So if you have a little pork with it, a little beef with it, a little chicken with it, it actually just, like, makes the the tofu taste just wonderful. And tofu does absorb all those wonderful flavors, too. And it has, and it contributes its own flavor. So, yes, I am kind of debunking it, but I'm also saying, listen, this is how people have been eating tofu for, like, thousands of years. Try it. You know, it's not just a meat substitute. Right. And the process is so simple. Um, It's nothing mysterious, and it's actually very similar to making cheese, um, sounds like. Um, But how come come other cultures um, outside of Asia haven't really embraced tofu or or bean curds? How did that happen? I I think... Tofu's just had, like, a bad PR plan, okay? <laughs> because, I mean, you just said bean curd. I mean, that's, that's just a yucky-sounding term for it, right? I mean, and then sometimes 
people <laughs> call it bean cheese, you know, which oh, no. just sounds really weird. And and so finally, you know, now we're like coming into just saying just tofu, and which is a Japanese term for it. And um, and then it's just like this white block, more yeah. or less. You know, and you're looking at it, and you're like, what the hell do I do with this? Right. And then there's been, like, this whole thing of, like, in the 1970s of turning it into um, lasagnas and putting cheese sauce on it and, oh. and uh, really not fig- letting, you know, people just haven't figured out, like, sort of the ways that tofu's been used where it came from, which is in Asia. Mm-hmm. And so this is a book that presents um, tofu in, in traditional as well as modern guises. In Asia, because it's a food that is eaten by a whole heck of a lot of people over there. And so you've got, and as well as Asians who are living abroad and who've grown up with it. So that's why the food, the, the cookbook includes recipes that are traditional, like the mapo tofu. And then it includes things like those um, okra donuts that, I, that are just like really okra popular d- in Tokyo. Okra donuts, you said? Yeah, they're like donuts that are made from the leaves left over from making soy milk. Oh, that's really clever. It's, yeah. it's totally cool. And then there's like this, this Indian recipe for um, where you take super firm tofu, which is like so dense you can practically throw it back and forth between your hands, and you grate it, and then you combine it with uh, ground up cashews and condensed milk, and, and you cook it up, and then you add cardamom, and you press it out um, into a little uh, thin layer, and you cut it up into an Indian uh, barfi fudge. Wow, that is a really new one for me. I know. Well, um, this is the thing is that when I started looking into tofu, I was like, oh, my God, there are all of these cool things that you can do with it that I didn't even know about. <laughs> Did you have to kind of, like, nudge your publishers to be like, no, really, tofu is good? <laughs> or, well, I, you, know, you know, you pick an editor who is friendly okay. <laughs> to, the, to the concept. Gotcha. Well, I hear this a lot, talking about myths, debunking, uh, I don't like the texture of tofu. And I'm like, well, it, which did you have? <laughs> you know, there's so many different types, which you so well prove in this book. Um, like this from silken tofu to um, the, probably the most polarizing substance in the world, stinky tofu in, <laughs> in yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, I know. Well, there are many different kinds. And when you go to the supermarket, just you know, what we see in the tubs, the most common kinds can be confusing mm-hmm. because there's, there's silken, um, which is where, you know, like making cheese, as you pointed out, Kathy, you take the soy milk and then you coagulate it, and then it separates into curds and whey. Well, with silken tofu, the curds and whey are never separated, and so they're just, like, solidified um, together, which is why it has that very, it's almost like a pudding that you can... Like a jello, have. yeah. Exactly, and sometimes it feels like jello, which is unfortunate, <laughs> it's a little bit too hard but if you try like silken tofu this little bit you know on the softer tender side that's really great and then you've got like your more like your medium um and firm and extra firm which is where you see the curds more mm-hmm. and um a lot of people gravitate uh towards extra firm tofu if they're new to it because they just think like oh my god you know i need to just get tofu that i can cut up and throw into the wok and it's not going to fall apart well, you know, it's like I'm trying to tell people, just try a little bit more tender tofu. You know, introduce a little tenderness into your tofu life because the tenderness is where the, 
it's actually where you actually taste the flavor of the tofu. I see. Where it is a little... I mean, think about the difference between fresh mozzarella, which is softer, and then the stuff that comes in a vacuum seal package. Oh, gosh. Which is super dense and rubbery. That's a good combination. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so com- then com- the denser tofu, is just, there's just less flavor. <laughs> but how do you feel about flavored tofus, like garlic and herb ter- uh, tofu, make, uh, like in a package? Well, you know the the flavor tofu, like the pack, the baked tofu. You mean like it's very? It comes in a little slab. Yeah, like this bl- like brick of you know something. It yeah, well, actually, you know that's a very traditional um, uh, Chinese uh, product, and it is very firm tofu that has oftentimes been um, seasoned or simmered in. Uh, again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just slice that up. There's no pressing needed. Slice it up and then, um, like, stir-fry with it. It's really great because it'll hold up. Okay. If you add it to broth or soup, it actually kind of plumps up and softens a little bit. Um, you can actually make that at home, though, which is really fun um, because you can use fabulous, super-firm tofu, the same stuff that I mentioned earlier that you can grate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can make it yourself and uh, with ingredients literally around you. And the cool thing that you can do with it is you can adjust the flavorings. So in the book, I have a traditional kind of five-spice thing, and then you can do something that's more Southeast Asian with lemongrass and kaffir lime leaf um, and garlic, or you can even, like, tea smoke it. Oh, that sounds great. It's really fun. <laughs> and then you can, it's actually sometimes it's good to nibble on its own. I, you know, I'll take some on a road trip with me. You know, I'm sitting in the car, and I'm hungry, and I'll just, like, you know, tell my husband, whip out a piece, and then, you know, we can, like, nibble on it. It's, and it's very satisfying. That's the thing with protein, with, uh, with tofu, is that it's, extremely, it's an extremely satisfying source of protein. I actually remember, yeah, uh, nibbling on pieces of uh, the five-spice uh, tofu as a kid, but I, I've had some bad ones in my time, so I'll have to try that, flavoring it your own, flavoring it by yourself. Um, and you have some recipes for that, which is great, too. I mean, this is so comprehensive. I, I don't even know what to say. Um, it's funny because I have an old book that was printed in the 70s called The Book of Tofu. Have you heard of that, Andrea? Yes. It's will, written by a man named William Sherliff and his wife, and I interviewed um, Bill for this book. And it, that book is sort of like the Bible of tofu, is what it should be called. And it it is. is a, yeah, and it is extremely densely packed with information. That it was, it was like a cultural guide to tofu. So, um, yeah, and it's it kind of, um, it sold it as this, like, you know, uh, health food from the east, like unlock the secrets of tofu. Why aren't you unlocking it? And, and I, I have this book, and, and uh, I always wondered why isn't this really caught on so much? So hopefully, um, you'll do those authors as well um, with your volume. Yeah, you know, I it's uh, people have received it quite well, and and actually, I got an email over the weekend from a couple in New York that once that got the book and his wife can't stop talking about it and they wanted me to help them figure out to make silken tofu in a particular way so i mean it's like a couple's thing which is so fun you know the concept of this <laughs> like hey let's make tofu this weekend <laughs> why not all right so um we're gonna put on a little song that you chose uh can you tell us what you picked Yes, I picked Otis Redding's Try a Little Tenderness because <laughs> whenever I, I think about telling people to try different tofu textures, that if they just choose tofu that has a little bit more tenderness, they'll see that tofu has this amazing ability to absorb flavors 
and tastes fabulous. Awesome. All right. We'll be right back with Andrew Nguyen after this. Oh, she may be weary. Them young girls, they do get weary. Wearing that same old shaggy dress. Yeah, yeah. But when she gets weary, trying a little tenderness. Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries, they cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information. And be sure to check the new blog, On Our Plate, for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. All right, that was Otis Redding's Try a Little Tenderness. Today we're talking with Andrew Nguyen, uh, author of uh, many books, but um, actually three books, and the newest one is Asian Tofu. Thanks so much for being here again. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for playing that song, too. <laughs> of course, it's a real classic, and I never thought of it with tofu, but now every time I'm here, I hear it next, I'm going to think, oh, tofu. Mmm. <laughs> I know. Mmm. You know, and I, well, because otherwise, you know, I think that we could probably write a really great uh, country western song about, like, tofu's gotten such a bad rap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know the book is about Asian tofu, and that's what you're exploring, and you go everywhere in Asia, it sounds like, um, to kind of gather all that info and the culture about it. But how do you think that tofu can be incorporated into Western cuisine, or, or should it? Can it? Totally. Um, you know, like, for example, one of the cool things I, I discovered was, um, well, you know what, there are a lot of American chefs who are doing wonderful things with, with tofu. Um, for example, it's on, only on the West Coast. <laughs> I feel robbed. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, okay. you know, and, and for example, um, Douglas Keene out in Healdsburg in California has a vegetarian tasting menu at his Michelin two-star restaurant. Um, and he has this wonderful tofu dish. Uh, on there, and it's completely vegan. And he like went to Kyoto, learned some uh, a particular technique of combining Dijon mustard and miso, and applied it to tofu. And it's a fabulous little dish. Um, and in Dijon and, mustard and, and miso, what a great idea! I know, yeah. I know. And you know, in and you can have like little things, little tofu dishes along with a regular meal. Um, f- there is this great recipe in the book for a soy milk and tofu hot pot, and it's completely white, but I describe it as like clam chowder without the clams. <laughs> because they've, like, the way that it's made, there's so much umami in it, because there's, like, really great dashi, as well as a soy milk that is as rich as heavy cream. Wow. And then you've got your silken tofu in it. So you've got rich upon rich. And you can, you know, good soybeans, what you get to do when you make tofu and soy milk at home is that you get to fiddle around and control the amount of water in it. And it's, that's all that this is about. Hmm. It's got your 
you've got your soybeans, you've got your water, and a, so- and a tofu maker would then vary the amount of water in there and use different kinds of coagulants to get the tofu that, that he wants. Um, and, uh, and so this particular recipe that I developed after having, like, this tofu tasting menu in t- Tokyo, it was mm-hmm. like a kaiseki of tofu. And it was just absolutely phenomenal. And I thought to myself, why, that's so elegant. Why couldn't you serve that as part of like a broader meal? And it doesn't necessarily have to be Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another recipe that is a uh, tofu steak burger that I um, learned from a chef and restaurateur in Taiwan. And he actually grew up in California. And mm-hmm. um, he takes a slab of tofu. He marinates it in sort of like a teriyaki sauce, and then he grills it, and then he puts it in a hamburger bun and tops it with all the regular hamburger fixings, including bacon. And hmm. this is where people need. I mean, you can, yeah, you can like have a tofu burger, but with a piece of bacon on there. It's still more healthy, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's still healthy. You don't have to feel guilty. You're eating less meat, and, and as I said, it's extremely satisfying. You. You know, there's only, like, so much tofu that you can eat before you feel like, wow, I'm really full. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, is, what do you think is the first recipe um, somebody should try from your book if they're a tofu hater? If they're a tofu hater, I would direct them to that little tofu steak burger. Okay. Um, which is, actually, I, I had a number of recipe testers, and one of the recipe testers was is married to a tofu hater. <laughs> and this is a man in his 70s who every single time I mentioned tofu, he said, I'm not going to eat that. Oh. And so I specifically assigned her to test that recipe, and he was converted. Wow. Yeah. That's a good success story. Yeah. No, I was quite proud, and I, you know, I didn't say anything about it. You know, and now he just kind of looks at me, and he says, well, I'll eat tofu, any kind of tofu that you make. Mm-hmm. Was there any tofu that you tried during your travels or recipe testing um, that you didn't like? I have to say that the stinky tofu (laughs) that I tried in Taiwan was very odd. (laughs) And and, um, it was compelling. Let's just put it that way. It is compelling. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not fermented. It's actually marinated in like this, this um, brine that has all these various uh, herbs and and um, spices in it. And did you figure out how well, it's actually how actually to make it while you were there? No, no, no I did not because it was <laughs> the want. kind of thing where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> You know, I've only got so much space in the book, Kathy, so, you know, you want to pick things that people are actually going to make. <laughs> and and the, the book actually includes a recipe for fermented white tofu, which is widely used um, mm. in Chinese and Southeast Asian cooking. So that was, like, more worth, you know, showing people how to make. But stinky tofu, no way. Yeah. You know, and this stuff was, like, it's a very popular street food, particularly in Taiwan. And, yeah, if you deep fry it and then you grill it and slap some satay sauce on it and pickled vegetables, I'll eat it. But I'll eat maybe, like, one piece, but I really can't eat, like, more than that. It's definitely an acquired taste. <laughs> it it is, and so and there are people who you know absolutely love it, and I appreciate that, and they grew up with it. 
and they crave it, but it's, it's something that was just so compelling, and it's hard to get in the United States, too, you know, and I think to myself, well, I, I wouldn't want to, I, I, I never put anything in my book that I wouldn't want to be able to tolerate over and over again, to tell you the truth, because I make these things yeah. so many times. So if I can withstand it, if my, if my husband and my friends can withstand it, <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, you know, this is it. You know, not even withstand, withstand it, but enjoy it, which right, is more important. Right. And that's probably a good idea. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, so I have to ask you um, the question of the day, which is, and it doesn't have to involve tofu, um, what would be your ultimate vision of a date meal, a romantic date meal? A romantic date meal with tofu? It uh, doesn't have to. Just um, you know, taking a poll here. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Just, just in general. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would um, involve at some point um, some roast pork belly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're we're is, going. We're taking a bit of a transition here <laughs> from tofu. Yeah, no, but you know, <laughs> but, but, but cool. that could, but that actually involves tofu. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's um, and I, you know what I mean. Of a one of the, uh, I would start with that um, soy milk hot pot that I mentioned earlier because it is very rich and and satisfying. But then this pork belly, um, which is a, a huge piece of pork belly that you cut um, into like long chunks. I get it with a bone, mm-hmm. and then I um, score it, and then I rub it with um, red fermented. Uh, tofu, which is which is a Chinese roast roast meat seasoning, and it's it's sweet and salty, and it turns food this mahogany red color. And then I let it air dry in the fridge, and then I roast it. And the roasting method at the end turns uh, gets the skin really like bubbly and crisp. And Ooh, is it <laughs> really good? So it's a fermented tofu chili sauce that is no. It's there? actually oh. this stuff comes in a jar, and if you can imagine, um, sort of like blue cheese cut up into one inch uh, husky one inch cubes, mm. and um, so this is where tofu gets um, it gets uh, aged and fermented so that it gotcha. turns in. Yeah, it's yep. just like aging cheese. Yep. Yeah. And you use that in spa, you know, sparse amounts and crumble it up into whatever. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. merely a seasoning. It's not, I and mean, some people will at, eat a cube in sparing amounts with like some rice or something like that, but you wouldn't just pop one into your mouth and eat it. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so tofu many ways in there. That's, that sounds like a, that sounds like a fun dish. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, I would fry tofu and, um, and then have it with some bubbly <laughs> you, you know, anything fried, fried food. Food. anything fried with bubbly goes well. <laughs> All right, very good answer, um, Andrew. What are you gonna polish next? So you got dumplings, check tofu, check Vietnamese, mm-hmm. check. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure. There are a couple of things on the table right now, and um, you know, publishing has changed a lot. And one of the cool things about the dumpling and the tofu book. Is that they've both been um, released as enhanced ebooks too, mm-hmm. and so that's where there's like video and the to- and the tofu enhanced ebook has these um, like travel logs 
there are instructional videos in there where I show you how to do things, uh, practical things like coagulating the soy milk for tofu making. But then there's like this travel aspect, practically like tiny little document documentaries that I have in there. And so I think that I would like to bridge my work to include a little bit more of that because the kind of things that I do, you know, I demystify things, I debunk things, and they seem so exotic, but they're not. And so part of my ability to convey that message is to use multimedia. And, um, you know, so like the tofu book, there there are a lot of travel images that I took while I was uh, researching. Um, And so the digital arena allows you to incorporate that in, in terms of video and audio components. So, yeah, there are a lot of stuff happening in, in publication, so I'm just trying to figure out where I can um, best fit in and also, you know what, continue to make a living, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're, you're on to a good start here with the, all those travelogues and, and the tofu books. I'm excited to watch. At one question, is there a video of you trying to eat more than one bite of stinky tofu that I can watch? <laughs> Unfortunately not, because I was holding the flip cam. (laughs) (laughs) Right, gotcha. That's always fun to watch. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I don't know why we have to talk about, like, the most appalling type of tofu um, when your book has so many non, not so much. Yeah, you know what, I mean, Uh, it's not appalling, it's just an acquired taste. And for the people who like stinky tofu, they just, they, like, fall over. It's like Dorian, you know? Right. And so, um, you know, I, I gave it a try several times. And I think that for people who grew up with it, that's, that's their thing. Well, thank you so much for um, bringing the best from Asian tofu to this cookbook. Uh, I can't wait to share it with more people. And now I'm, I kind of want to do a tofu dinner. That could be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Try, like, setting up a tofu tasting bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the tofu pudding recipe in there from Sichuan is fabulous. I oftentimes do that at home. So you can just, like, make the tofu and then set out a bunch of little um, toppings and let your friends do the rest. Right. I'll have to add lots of pork belly to it as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and add the pork belly to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for chatting with us. That's about all the time we have. But um, you can check out more from Andrea's work at uh, Viet. Sorry, my Viet. I'm just looking at it. Vietworldkitchen.com. Yes, that's right, Kathy. And the book is called Asian Tofu. Thanks again, Andrea. Thanks so much, Kathy. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. You know a man can